Good morning. Glad that you're here. Glad for those of you who are joining us online. So glad that we get to be together right now in this moment and learn from God's word. We are in this uh, a season of 21 days of prayer and fasting that we started next week. I'm already looking forward to the 21 days of prayer and feasting that at some point, hopefully that will happen as well. Um, But hopefully whatever you decided to fast, you know, uh, partial, selective, full, soul fast, and whatever you're doing, you know, hopefully God's using it and speaking to you through it, and glad that we're on this journey together. Much of this series, what it's about, is about how we can deepen and strengthen our prayer life and to be able to connect in deeper ways with God, that we would have a, not just 21 days, but 21 days to kind of set us right, but that we wouldn't just have 21 days of prayer, but we'd have a life of prayer. And kind of having living a life full of prayer, it sometimes can seem just a little bit you know, easier said than done. But part of this series is helping you learn how to pray. And so that's what I want to do today. But as we dive in, I just want to ask the question, like, what would it look like if we were to pray first? Pray first. That, you know, all of us have this living assignment from heaven, from God, that goes far beyond our own power, and that we need His power. That we need to find ways, you know, have ways that we actually tap into this supernatural power in heaven, that we can take that, and that this assignment that God has given us, that we could actually accomplish it, not through our power, because it goes beyond us, but through His power. And that means that we have to pray first in every situation. Now, COVID has kind of taught me this just because of COVID, but maybe it's taught you this as well, the the ever-changing landscape and how much, you know, goes on every single day. Like, you never know what tomorrow's going to look like and the fear and this and that, the political stuff, like all the things that I've kind of just learned through COVID that I need to pray more. I don't know about you, like when you wake up, you're just like, Lord, help me today, you know, get through And so we kind of, COVID's kind of taught me this, that I just need to pray more, and I have more time to pray as well. And so whether COVID's kind of revealed that to you as well or not, what I do believe that COVID's revealed to all of us is that there's a hunger and a thirst in our soul for something fresh and new. There's this hunger and thirst for like peace. And encouragement. And I believe that that comes through prayer. That when we pray first, that we're actually, you know, in every situation, we're, we're tapping into God's power. So, what would it look like if you were to pray first about everything? What would it look like if you woke up, you know, every morning and were like, God, thank you for today. Before anything happens, I just give you this day. Be with me and go before me. Amen. Right? What happens if you pray when you wake up first? What happens if you pray first before you go to bed? You know, thank you for what happened today, Lord. I, you know, help me get lots of sleep tonight. I don't want to be up all night long, right? Or, you know, some of us pray, you know, every before every single minute. Like we pray first before our meals. You know, if you prayed then. Or what about before that appointment or that Zoom call that you take? You know, you just pray first. Like, hold on, before I, you know, go into that. You know, Lord, uh, this appointment is yours you know, um, I pray that you just be present, you know, be with me and help me make loads of money, right? Like, just pray first in everything that you do. Before you get your kids off to school, you know, sometimes the mornings, it's just like a rush and, and you're just trying to get things together and you're trying to pack your stuff. Someone's trying to finish some, like, homework and you're trying to pack lunches and someone forgot their mask. And it's like, run back in and get your mask, you know, and you, you know, whatever it may look like or, or you're trying to get out to work, you know, whatever it is, right? 
is just hold on, everyone, stop, and it's just like pray. Let's just pray right now before we go and do this and just pray first. You know, my kids, Grant and Amy, before they, they're blessed, they get to go to school every single day. And if it's just before they go out the door and there's all the hustle and bustle, right, it's like, hold on, Lord, we just pray over this day. We pray for Grant and Amy, the Lord, that they would not be followers of men, Lord, but they would be leaders for you, Jesus, in your name, amen, right? Like, go to school and, and do your thing. And so, like, what if we just prayed first? You know, before I take that phone call, that's going to be difficult, right? You just pray first. Before you write that email, you know who you are. You just pray first, right? Before you post that thing onto social media, you know who you are. Pray first, right? Like, okay, do I, should I post this or not? Pray first. Before you send that tweet, before you send that text, pray first, And so if we're going to bring God into every situation, that can feel daunting. Like, what does that mean? Like, I pray for like 8, 10, 12 hours a day. Would I become like a monk in a monastery and like never have a life again? No, I don't think it means that at all. I think like we just find situations that we pray first in all these situations throughout our life. It doesn't mean that you take these like long extended times of prayer. If you have the opportunity to do that, that's great. Here's what the late 1800s British evangelist says. His name's Smith Wigglesworth. Now, with that name, you have to believe anything he says, okay? Like you just, if you got Wigglesworth, like you just, you believe him, okay? This is what he says. He says, I don't often spend more than a half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than a half an hour without praying. I like that. You know, it's like I don't have to spend like these long, drawn-out times in prayer. Like I can go just pray for like five minutes or 30 seconds or uh, two minutes here. Or maybe I have, I'm afforded the time to like go on like a nice walk and take 15, 20, 30 minutes of prayer. But I like what he says. Like I never go more than 30 minutes without praying, which means it's just say, throughout your day. Like just, something's coming up. Just, Lord, I give this to you. Like you're just taking these moments to pray. And that today I want to teach you how to pray. Because sometimes it's like, well, what am I supposed to do with prayer? Like now I have a minute or I have five minutes or I have ten minutes. Like, okay, well, what do I do? I want to take today to teach you a little bit how to pray. Is that okay? Great. For the three of you or whatever. All right, here's what first, before we jump in, here's what First Thessalonians 5 says. It says, rejoice always. That's one verse. You know, you can just memorize that. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Pray first, right? Like, Pray first. Pray continually throughout your day. Give thanks in all circumstances. And for anyone who is like, Lord, what do you want me to do? God, like, who am I supposed to be? Like, what do you want from me in life? Like, God, what is your will for my life right here? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, you're trying to decide, like, what school do I go to? What career do I take? What, what do, I, do I have two kids, five kids? Like, you know, whatever it is, like, do I... What meal do I eat? It doesn't matter, right? At some point, it's just like, what does God want for me? He wants you to rejoice. He wants you to pray and give thanks. That's God's will for your life. There you go. So here's, if you remember anything about today, remember this as we launch in. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. We usually act first and then pray. How many of you are with me on that one, right? Like you kind of get yourself into a situation and you're like, oh, I just got myself in trouble. Like, Lord, bail me out of this one, you know? Like, or you kind of get into a place, whether it's a meeting at work or with family or, you know, doing schoolwork, whatever it is, and you kind of like act first. And then it's like you kind of get yourself into a, a pickle with your spouse or something. And it's like, okay, Lord, bail me out. Like oftentimes we act first and then pray. And what God calls us to do is pray first and then act. Pray first and then act. So that means we pray first. We pray first. 
Now, I'm going to try and be pretty lighthearted with this sermon because I think prayer can be fun and encouraging and we can learn stuff with it. But I want to take just a moment of seriousness, if that's okay. When we look at the, the state of our country and the state of our world, and our country and our world is in peril, we are in trouble. With the, there's been such a significant, drastic moral decline in our nation the outright abandonment of God's will and God's way, where we even see the highest levels of office mocking God, that there is a problem there. And then we see the intensity of everything that's been taking place over the last year, that there's groups of people on all sides of the aisle that have deep pain and anguish and bitterness and anger and frustration and disunity, that then it manifests and gets expressed in violent ways. Now this, at some point, you just got to go, it doesn't matter whether it's right or left, up or down, right? At some point, what we have to see is our nation is hurting. Our nation is hurting. People are hurting. People are struggling. There are things that are unfair that take place in our nation, and people are struggling and hurting through that. So what do we do? Like, what do we do with that? I don't know if you've ever been in that boat. Like, what am I supposed to do? Is like, post something else to Facebook, and that's going to solve the problem? Like, what do I do? I've been there. Like, what, what, what am I supposed to do? I think we can learn from the Bible quickly. And this is still on the pray first, right? Second Chronicles 7 says, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain. Like there's a drought amongst the land, right? People are fresh, people are hurting, people are dying. There are things going on, right? Or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people. Sound familiar? <laughs> right? And then it's almost like God teases us. Like, well, if my people, like if they just knew what to do, like God almost like teases us here. Like if my people who are called by my name, now here's a key phrase right here, would humble themselves and what? Pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then we would hear from heaven. Then we'd know what to do and he would forgive us and that he would heal our land. What does this mean? This means that you have a role in our society in the spiritual state of our society. This means that you have a role in our country, in the spiritual state of our country and our world. Just being passive doesn't do anything. But what God asks us to do is actually intercede on behalf of those who are hurting, intercede on behalf of those who you do not agree with, right or left. You intercede on behalf of those who are dealing with pain. And when you see it on the news, it's not just another person who expresses a different view with you. It's someone who's hurting, who's loved by God. Someone who has deep pain, who's loved by God. And that we have an opportunity and actually what God says is like, hey, if Nate, you know, Nate, Nate, if you just... You're someone who calls yourself by my name. If you would just pray, then maybe something would happen. You have a role in this. So I want to ask you, pray first. Pray first. And there is always a time for action, but pray first. We should be in a time that we pray first for our country right now. So pray for America. All right, let's jump into this next piece here. So we're going to pray first. We're going to pray in every situation. I want to teach you how to pray. One of the first obstacles, though, oftentimes is like, prayer is kind of hard. 
Or like some of you grew up in different homes. Some of you grew up in homes where you prayed, you didn't pray. You grew up in religious homes where maybe you prayed, recited prayers or you didn't pray at all. And then you look at other people and it's like, I don't know how to pray like that. Maybe you have a pastor who can pray out of the King James Version of the Bible with the these, the thous, and the theys. And it's like, I don't know how to pray like that. How am I supposed to do that? Or maybe you grew up like me in a church home um, and a church family. And like, I, you know, you always get yourself into these situations where you're in like a Bible study, a life group, a small group, a prayer circle or something, or there's like you and four other people or three other people. And then the group leader is always like, okay, I'll open and then Bob, you close. And then if we have a few people praying between a few people, there's only four people here. That means you're asking everyone to pray and I got to be a part of it. Right. And then it's like, and then they start praying. And it's like, you know, you're not even thinking and care about what other people pray, right? You're just thinking about like, okay, what am I need to pray about right now? It's like, who cares if they pray? I got to pray. And then there's always that one guy who prays what you were thinking. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, you just took my prayer, bro. And then in the moment, it's like, you can't pray the same prayer. That's prayer plagiarism. That's not right. God won't hear it. And then you're like, well, what am I supposed to do now? And then so well, you just figure, well, I guess I'll just close it down. And even though you're the third person, you just say, amen. And everyone has to open their eyes. And prayer's done, right? And it's like, I'll close that baby down because you stole my prayer. Or like sometimes prayer is just not attractive to us, right? Because we get uh, in these patterns, maybe we like learn recited prayers when we're young, like, you know, a prayer something like, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, right? Like what morbid person came up with this prayer? You know, it's like, this is what we're going to teach our children, right? You know, it's like, and if I die before I wake, all right, kids, go to bed now, you know. I pray the Lord my soul to keep, woo, you know. It's like, who's coming up with this stuff? And so sometimes prayer is just not super attractive to us because, you know, maybe we have a certain idea about it or whatever. But today I want to teach you, uh, I want to go through the Lord's Prayer, and I want to teach you how to pray. And I believe that if you take the, the, the things that I say today, and really not things that I say, they're the things that Jesus said. I'm just going to repeat what Jesus said. And if you take those things, I believe it's going to transform your prayer life in a way that you've never experienced before. Okay? So Luke 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, were they asking Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray? I don't think they were because many of his disciples, most of them, they grew up in like a Jewish culture and they learned recited prayers from synagogue or temple or, you know, those things. And so they learned prayers. They knew prayers. But what they were saying is not teach me how to pray. They're like, teach me how to pray like that. I saw what you were doing there, Jesus. Teach me how to pray like you're praying. It looks like you actually enjoyed what you were doing. It looks like you actually connected with God. You spent, you know, like hours over there praying. Like what in the world were you doing for hours praying these prayers? And it looked like it was meaningful and it was powerful. Lord, teach me how to pray like you're praying right there. That was what was happening. And so then Jesus responds with the Lord's prayer. And what he says is he doesn't say, pray this prayer, recite this prayer. What he says is different translations say it differently, but he says, pray like this or pray in this manner. So what he's saying is not pray this recited or pray this prayers or uh, reciting it. Although is, is it okay to recite the Lord's Prayer? Of course it is. It's a great, it's great scripture to learn and memorize and pray. Like th that's great. But what he's saying is he intended it for to be like an outline for prayer. Like what was Jesus doing for hours and hours when he would pray? He wasn't just reciting the Lord's Prayer over and over again. He was doing something that, that, that caught the disciples' attention. Like I want to pray like that. And so it, 
the Lord's Prayer serves us as more of like an outline, that each phrase is like an outline of how we can pray. And so when we read this in Matthew 6, 9, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's one, prayer, or one phrase, then two phrases. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. There's a third phrase. Give us today our daily bread, a fourth phrase. Forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Five, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Six, and for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Seven, it's what Jesus was doing is he used this as an outline. And so I want to encourage you, write this down, pull your phone out, because this, and write these things down, this will transform your prayer life. And it'll only take when you go and pray, you know, you know three minutes, five minutes, 10, 15 at the max. Okay, so let's jump in. The first phrase, our Father who are in heaven. What Jesus is saying here is, this is where you connect with God relationally. First and foremost, God wants to know you. He wants to connect with you. He actually uses a, a relational name here, uh, Father. And Jesus is saying, he, you know, he doesn't want to be this distant person. He wants to be close and relational with you. And this is his favorite name to be called, like Daddy, Father. It's this relational name. And this is what he wants. He wants to actually connect with you. Like, my kids do this to me, right? Like, I'm a dad. My kids, like, when they're young and little, and those of you who've had little kids, maybe you have a niece or nephew, when, like, your kids crawl up in your lap, and they want to snuggle you and talk to you. It's like, they want to connect with dad relationally. Or, like, when you have kids, and they just, like, tug on your shirt all day, and they're like, come play with me, come play with me, right? They want to connect with you relationally. And that's what God wants from us, that when we pray, you know, we pray like, you know, Heavenly Father, I want to know you. I want to know your heart. I want to know your goodness and your faithfulness. Teach me more of your ways. Lord, would you know me? Like, you know, I want to connect with you. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. It's connecting with God relationally. This is why Romans 8.15 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you of his own children. Now you call him Abba Father. That if you're serving God with this fearful slave mentality, that's the wrong picture of God. The correct picture of him is this relational being who loves you. And so we connect with him relationally. So you take a minute or two and connect with God relationally or even 15 seconds, right? And then we don't just dump our list on him like, hey, here's all the things I need you to do. You connect with him. God, I want to know you. And then second, hallowed be your name, right? Here's where we worship his name. We worship his name. And hallowed is kind of a spiritual word, and, but, you know, really ultimately what it is, it's worshiping God's name. Jesus is saying, now that you've connected relationally, now spend time worshiping his name. And there's actually a list of names that refers to who God is in the Bible. All throughout it, we see these different phrases or words that, that you know, are used in uh, place of his name. And these names have power over your life, over your situation, over what you're going through. And when we worship and we pray those names, there is power. Now, you know, early on, you pick up on this as a little child that names have power, right? Like if I tell uh, my son Grant to go tell uh, his sister Amy to go clean her room, and she go, he goes and says, Amy, clean your room, she's going to be like, uh, no, right? But if I say, go tell Amy, dad says clean your room, then Grant gets to go, right, like in the, the name of dad, like, hey, Amy, 
dad says, clean your room. And then it's like, oh, okay, I got to do it. Because they're like carriers of the name. Names have power. They have weight. And we are carriers of the name of God. And so what are some of these names that the Bible uses to illustrate who God is? Is righteous, sanctifier, healer, banner of victory, shepherd, peace, provider. This is why Proverbs 18.10 says, God's name is a place of protection, his name. The righteous can run there and be safe. So that means that when we pray, when you worship his name, we pray like, God, you are righteous. You are holy. You are the one who sanctifies me when I mess up. Lord, when I sin, God, you are the one who washes me clean. God, you are my healer. Even when I experience illness, even when those uh, uh, things attack my body, Lord, you are my healer. You cover me. You protect me. Lord, you are my banner of victory. When I face situations throughout my day that are going to be difficult, Lord, you are already victorious, and I claim that victory over today or over tomorrow or the situation I'm going through. Lord, you are my shepherd. Lord, you guide me. You lead me. You protect me. You bring me beside still waters. You lay me down. You bring me rest. God, you are my shepherd. You are my peace when there is chaos, Lord. It is you who is the prince of peace that brings a calmness and a peace amongst the storm. Lord, you are my provider in the midst of tragedy, in the midst of this job, that job, Lord. You will provide for me and my family, and I thank you for the provision that you give. Lord, you are good. You will provide all of my needs, and I thank you in advance for them. We pray his name. There's like this peace because he has us, and he's there, even in the midst of the most difficult situations. You know, one of his names that the Bible uses is there. There. (laughs) Isn't that a great name? He's there. That means like, Lord, so like even when I'm like over here, over there, even you're there? Yeah, I'm there. And this is why, you know, the psalmist writes like, even, in, even if I lay, uh, make my bed in the highest of heavens or the depths of the earth, Lord, you are there. You're there. When I face really difficult situations, you're there. When I'm in like the, the greatest joys of my life, you are there. When I'm facing deep sorrow, Lord, you are there. When we worship his name, those names have power, and we can claim that and pray that. All right, after you do this, the third phrase here is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means we pray his agenda first. What's the, what's the one word that we see used two times in that phrase? Your, right? It is your kingdom come, your will be done, not mine. I pray your agenda first, not my agenda. We like to play our agenda, but God doesn't want to just be dumped on with all the things that he already knows is happening in your life. He's all-knowing. That, Like, yes, he cares for it, and yes, he wants to hear it, but he doesn't always just want you to come with me like, hey, just by the way, Lord, I didn't know if you forgot, but boom, 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 right? It's like, no, he already knows that stuff. He's already, he already knows it. Yes, he wants to hear it, but he wants you to pray his agenda first. So it's like, well, what, how am I, you know, God has a prayer list, but it's like, well, how am I supposed to know what God is, prays, or how am I supposed to know what he's going to pray, or what I'm supposed to pray on his behalf? Like, well, he's God, I'm me, right? I'll summarize it in one word, others, others. For God so loved the world, the world. When we pray his agenda, we pray for others and not ourselves. This means that we, we, we pray for government, 
for the people we agree with and don't agree with. We still pray for our president. We still pray for our governor. We still pray for our mayor. We still pray, pray for police officers and first responders and doctors and teachers and the principal. You know, you know, we pray for our family, our cousin, our friends, the people who used to be friends, right? We pray for others because God loves them. He so loved the world that he died for them. And we pray his agenda by praying blessing on others and his will to be done on earth. That people still need to be saved and healed. And there needs to be mended, uh, uh, wounded hearts. Like we're praying for others that God would be present there. We pray for those things. All right, fourth thing. Fourth part that we get into is, okay, now it's our needs, right? We prayed God's needs, now it's ours. Give us this day our daily bread. And here's the big thing here is depend on him for everything. Sometimes we only pray what we need. Like, Lord, I, I need some extra money or I need healing. And I get that, that. We like to pray the things that we need, but that's not exactly what God wants us to do. While that's good, we want to pray and communicate to God that you need him in everything all the time, even if you already have it. So let me give you an example. Like, those of you, most of you probably aren't food insecure. Now, some people are food insecure, and they pray every single day for their next meal. But I know some of you, you go down Costco with your big flat, you know, flat bed, and you're throwing stuff on there once a week, right? Like, oh, I'm going to get some this and that. And it'd be weird for you as you're going down Costco's aisle the third time in that month, right, to be like, Lord, pray, uh, pray that you keep giving me food, right? Like, that would be a weird prayer. But that's what God wants. Because what he wants you to know is you actually depend on him for the very things that you have because he could take it away like that. And so that when we pray, even when we don't need it, and we pray and say, God, thank you and continue blessing me, and Lord, continue to provide for my family. When you pray those things, that shows a dependence and a reliance on God and not a uh, use him only when you need him kind of God. Like, I got all this stuff covered. Like, I don't know if you saw me, how well I'm doing in life, God, but I got this covered and I just need you for these things, right? We show that we actually have a dependence on him in everything. And that is a powerful thing, that we always pray first amongst everything. This is why Psalm 121 says, I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Which means that we, when there's the mountain or the hill in front of us, we don't just look at the hill, but we rise above it and we see that our help comes from heaven. That the largest obstacle, the biggest mountain could be standing in front of you. And it's like, is this where it comes from? No, I look above that because no matter how big this obstacle is, I look above and see heaven and my help comes from the Lord above. Another way to communicate this is in the Old Testament, oftentimes the king or the government would be placed up on the hill. And so another way to look at this is when I look up, does my help come from Capitol Hill or does it come from as I look up to heaven? Heaven, no, it is not just from the government. It is from you, God. You alone is who I look to. I look past the hill into the heaven. That is where my help comes from. No matter how big the obstacle is in front of me, I always look to God. All right, fifth thing. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. This is get your heart right with God and with people. Right here. Get your heart right with God and with people. This is where I pray like, Lord, don't let me become desensitized to sin. Lord, search my heart. 
those areas that you know are not right. And I want to make, I want to repent of those and get those right right now. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will kind of give you a jab in the side and you're like, oh, I didn't know that. Like, wow, <laughs> thanks, but I'm sorry. And sometimes he just looks you in the eye and like, Nate, you already know you've prayed this a prayer a thousand times. Like, just pr- ask for repentance, all right? And, but we want to get our heart right with God. And then we want to get our heart right with other people. Forgive us of our debts as we forgive others of theirs. Which means that, Lord, I pray that, Lord, whoever has offended me or I've offended others, I want to make that right. I want to forgive people. I want to forgive people who've hurt me. I don't want to just carry around bitterness and anger and resentment all the days of my life. I don't want to become desensitized to bitterness where it just wraps around my life and I just live through it. I want to forgive others in advance. That's a great one. If you can actually pray, Lord, I forgive these people in advance. So when you show up to work, you know, your coworkers will notice like, wow, you're different. It's like, yeah, because I already forgave you, you know, earlier today. But it's like, no, like people will notice you're different. Your family will notice you're different because you, you're saying, God, I'm going to forgive people just as you forgive people in advance. So it's not like I'm going to be looking and taking jabs all day long. That when you forgive people, it's that phrase can change your life, that you don't just walk around with anger and bitterness. That we forgive, we get our heart right with God and with others. This is why 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We get our heart right. All right, the sixth one here is, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Here is where Jesus is saying, Engage in spiritual warfare. Now, here's a proper, I don't like that translation as much, and do not lead us into temptation, because God doesn't actually lead you into temptation. That's that's not a great translation of that. The, The correct Greek translation of this would be, do not allow me to be led into temptation. Do not allow me to be led into temptation, which means that all of us are going to have the chance to sin today. All of us will have the opportunity to sin today and don't allow me to be led into temptation by some, something or someone else. And all of us have an enemy. All of us do. There's a spiritual enemy that works hard and hates your guts every day that you might fail and sin and be caught up in it. Every single day. So that means that if you're not working as hard or harder than the enemy, you ain't working hard enough, all right? Like you gotta work hard to combat the forces of the enemy. Now, sometimes this feels like it's like a sci-fi film or like a sci-fi TV show, like Stranger Things, right? Like you're going through life and there's like this thing in this ultimate dimension trying to come and get you, right? Like it can kind of seem like a, a sci-fi film, but it is real. This is why Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, right? And it's like, but against these spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. While it kind of seems like a sci-fi film, it is real. It is true. And if this exists, then every single day you need to make a stand against the enemy and pray protection over your kids, pray protection over your life, that you can bind the enemy's plans and cancel the enemy. What it wants to do is why you pray, Lord, free, continue to free me from this addiction in which the enemy wants to tempt me in. Lord, I bind the enemy's ways in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray protection protection over my kids, that you might surround them with your angels, that the enemy has no uh, claim or hold on them while they are at their school or they're at their friend's house or out into the world. Lord, you're praying these areas of protection and binding what the enemy wants to do. It's real stuff. And that when you do that and you gauge in spiritual warfare, you have like the armies of heaven that are contending on behalf of you and God above against the spiritual evil forces of hell. And you can do that every single day. And then seven, the last one here. 
express faith in God's ability. For yours is the kingdom and the power and glory forever. Express faith in his ability. Because none of this happens. What we pray and what we go through in our day, all these things, it doesn't matter. It's not up to us. It is up to God. That none of this happens because of me. Just because I prayed it doesn't mean that it just happens. And wow, look at my prayer. Like I, you know, someone got healed or someone this or that. No, it's not up to me. It's not because of me. It is because of God. It's in God's ability that we see healing. It's in God's ability that we see freedom. It's in God's ability that we see, you know, injustice meet justice. It is in God's ability that we see wholeness and protection and provision. It is in God's ability that those things take place. And that when we express faith in God's ability, Lord, it is because of you. This is why Jeremiah 32, 17 says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I love that. Because that means that nothing I tell God or say to God or pray to God, nothing I said today, Lord, made you nervous. Nothing I said. There was no sin I could, have, I could have confessed. There was no relationship I could have talked about. And it's like, Lord, didn't you know about the, the spiritual forces? Like, right? Or does that make you nervous? No, none of that is too hard for God. Nothing makes God nervous. Nothing's too hard for him. And I love that. Because what you pray, you can pray confidently. Because nothing is too difficult for God to take. And then here's a great verse that you can just end every single prayer on. You can just memorize this one. And end your prayer on this, and we can end today on this as well. Revelation 5.13. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praised and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come to you right now. God, we need you. All of what we do, we need your power. And I'm praying right now in this moment, God, for revival to take place. God, revival in the hearts of Americans. Lord, revival in the hearts of people sitting in this church right now. Lord, revival in the hearts of those who are watching online. Revival in the hearts of the people in Spokane. Lord, we cannot do this without you. Lord, we need you. God, It is because of you that whatever we do here in this church or in our life, anything makes any sense at all, it is because of you. Any miracle we've seen, God, is because of you. And we need you. Without your covering, Lord, God, we are nothing. And we need you. And we ask of you today, Lord, go with us. Be with us. Stir in the hearts of people. God, let your rule and your reign be made known. God, may your name become famous amongst all the people in Spokane and in America and around the world. May your glory and your power and your name be praised forever and ever. Amen. Amen. You can use that. Use those seven phrases. It will transform your prayer life. Take five minutes every day and do that. We're going to take communion now together.
And I just want to encourage you, if you're at home, go ahead and get your bread or juice or something that resembles it uh, out of your pantry right now. Those of you who came in person, we have these uh, little cups here. Remember, there's kind of like the first tab that gets you to your delicious wafer and the second one, which will get you to your juice there. Um, And I want to encourage you to hold it, each element in your hands. And I'm going to have you take it on your own because I want you to take this time. And even right here, we're going to pray first. I want you to take a moment with God and pray first. Think through those seven phrases, like what might you need to do that you can pray first right now? And I I want you to do that. Pray first before you take that because this is a moment that we get to remember and we get to be with God. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he also took the cup and said, This is the new covenant established by my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. That when you take this, it is not only just remembering and thanking God for his sacrifice, but it is a representation of his life, death, and resurrection in your life right now and that you can pray first and thank thank him for that and remember the sacrifice and the implications of that sacrifice in your life right now. So as we worship, would you take a moment to pray? And then as you feel led, feel free to take communion on your own. Touching every heart 
hallowed be thy name. You are there. God, you are there. You're right here with us. And you're the one who will make the way as we go out of this place. And as we seek peace, as we seek quiet lives, as we seek holiness, as we seek it, Lord, we'll find it in you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, hey, thank you for being a part of Online Church. Thank you for being a part here. And uh, if you need prayer, make sure and reach out to your host online today. If you need prayer, you can come right over here. Uh, along with those of you who may be new or newer to the church and would like to know how to connect here, just come over there at our first connect, a couple minutes long, and we'd love to better explain that. God bless you. Have a great week, everybody.